Amen. I'm, I praise God for His grace. Amen. Amen. Well, take your Bibles to Romans chapter number 15. Romans chapter 15. We'll pick right up where we left last week. We talked about, <coughs> excuse me, talked about being like-minded, bearing one another's infirmities, bearing one another's burdens. And so, and uh, we'll, we'll pick right up there in verse number 8. We'll read verse 8 through 13. And thank you, Brother Alfred. And uh, we'll get going there. And uh, like I said, just pray for little Reagan. She gets to feeling better. She started uh, right at bedtime last night, not feeling good, and all through the night. And, and uh, so just pray for a little lady there that she'll get to feeling better. Um, and uh, Romans 15. This is very important text. I think that Christ is trying to teach us something that we need to glorify God. And all of us need to do it together. Uh, many times we want to seek our own glory. I don't want to get a too ahead of myself in the sermon today, but so many times we want the glory, we want the praise, we want the pat on the back. And, hey, and I, I like for people to notice when I do things, don't you? But uh, ultimately, I, I, we, we shouldn't do that for the praise and do that for the pat on the back. And we'll talk about that and, and how we're to glorify God together. Now, this text, I believe that Paul is is telling, uh, talking to the Gentiles, and you'll see, <coughs> as we go through this, these verses, you'll see how that, uh, how that uh, explains itself. So you've got your Bibles open to Romans 15. Let's all stand, if you can, and let's read together in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 8. Excuse me. The Bible says in verse number 8, the Bible says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written for this cause, I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and will sing unto thy name. And, his, and again, his, he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So we're going to take these verses. I'm going to give you four simple things, and then we'll, then we'll go to the house. And uh, let's, let's, uh, let's pray together, if you will. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you specifically for being with us this morning. <coughs> I pray that you'll use me. I pray that you'd move me out of the way. Remove me out of the way. Give me the words to say and the ability to say it. Lord, help my cough to stay down this morning. Lord, I pray that you would clear my mind of anything that shouldn't be there. I pray that only the words that you want to be said will be said this morning. We love you and we thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. And in verse number 8, we'll start off in the introduction. In verse number 8, he says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. You will find 
that during the lifetime of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ spent most of his ministry not ministering to the Gentiles. He spent most of his ministry ministering to the Jews. If you'll look in Luke chapter, you don't have to, just uh, make a reference of Luke chapter 22, verse 27. He says, I am among you, and he that serveth, <coughs> as he that serveth, so he was a servant to the Jews. You will see also in the book of Romans, he says, as he began the book of Romans, he says, to the Jew first, and then to the Greek. And so you'll, you'll notice even the ministry that Jesus Christ did, you'll see that Jesus Christ did do miracles in Matthew 8, Matthew 15, that he did minister to the Gentiles, but mainly his main focus was to the Jews. In Matthew chapter number 10 and verse number 5 and verse number 6, he actually instructs his disciples not to go to the Gentiles. As they're going a certain direction, he says, go not to the Gentiles. And so we see that Jesus Christ was, as this verse says in verse number 8, that he was a minister to the circumcision, to those of the circumcision. <laughs> you will find that the Jews were that of the circumcision. They believed that that was a part of salvation, that they had to be, or a part of, of being a Jew was they had to be circumcised. Gentiles at the time, they didn't, they didn't do that, all right? And so, so there it is. He was the minister of the Jews. It, look, in, in John chapter 4 and verse 22, he says, salvation is of the Jew. So you say, why, why are you saying all this? I, I want you to understand that he is trying to lay the groundwork for the next couple of verses here in verse number 8. He wants us to understand that the first believers, the first Christians, the first ones to believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah was a Jew. He wants us to understand that Jesus Christ, his ministry was to the Jews. And not only is that, but Jesus Christ's people and the people of God will always be the Jewish people. Now, we've talked about this, I believe, in chapter number 13, where I am a Gentile and I've been grafted into the family. And how did that take place? And it wasn't because I was a Jew. It was because I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I've been put into the family of God. And so the, the Jewish people, even still today, are God's chosen people. Look in verse 80, he, began, he also says, he says, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Who are the fathers? Who are the fathers? Father Abraham, Jacob, and, and that's who he made the promise to. He made a promise to Jacob. He made a promise to Abraham, I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. And so Jesus Christ came to be a minister to the Jewish people to fulfill the promise that was given to the fathers in the beginning of the Bible. And so Jesus Christ came to fulfill the promises. But then you will see that there is a shift that takes place in the book of Acts, verse number 8 takes us in the book of Acts, chapter number 1, all the way through chapter number 7. The, the, the church first started there in right before the book of Acts. Christ started the church. He established the church before he left. He left the church. He commissioned the church to do something. And at the time, the majority of the church were, were Jewish people. Christ gave them a command in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8 that still applies to us today. <coughs> he said, go, <clears throat> he said, but ye shall receive power, Acts 1, 8. 
And ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses both unto me in, Ju in Ju uh, Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so the responsibility of the Jewish people, now watch this, the responsibility of the Jewish people was to take the gospel that Jesus Christ handed them, was to take the gospel that he was promised to bring to them, was to take the gospel to the whole world. And the reason I am in church today is because the Jewish believers of the Bible did what they were told to do. Because I am not a Jew. I am a Gentile. Because they did what they were supposed to do, I have the gospel. Because Jesus Christ came for the Jew to give them the gospel. And then they were given the gospel to give to me. They didn't know that. And they didn't know that they were coming to give the gospel to you either, but they did. That's why it's important that you follow every word. Well, every word's important to us. And that's why every word is important to us. Because he came to fulfill a promise. And that promise was Christ. You go all the way back in the scripture. Again and again and again. Even, even at the beginning, Jesus Christ and God and the Holy Ghost, they created the earth, right? And just a couple chapters later, here we are, Adam and Eve. They start, that one of them starts to sin. And so the Bible says <coughs> that the woman, the woman got a curse, right? And the woman would hate, there would be enmity between the, the serpent and the woman. And not only that, but the Bible says that the, the heel will crush the head of the serpent. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis. That scripture is prophecy. You say, how is that prophecy? Because it is prophecy that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, will take his heel and crush the serpent. And so you go all the way back to the beginning. Jesus Christ came to fulfill the promise that was given in Genesis that he would crush the heel. He would take his heel and crush the head of the serpent. And the serpent, you say, who's the serpent? Satan is the serpent prophecy being fulfilled promises fulfilled that Jesus Christ would and he did and he fulfilled them and because he did them and because he fulfilled them <coughs> the church did what they were supposed to do and they started spreading the gospel so I'm going to give you just four simple points and we'll go home that's introduction that lays the groundwork to where we're going number one is the Jews were to glorify God among the Gentiles. Look in verse number 9. The Bible says, <coughs> And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Do you know what it was, John? Even, okay, you can say, what is it, where is that talking about? Psalms chapter 18, verse number 49. He is quoting the book of Psalms saying, look, it was told to us the prophecy that the Jews were supposed to praise God in the name 
of the Lord around the Gentiles so that they would be saved. That's what the, that's what the Scripture prophesied. And so the Jews were supposed to glorify God in the midst of Gentiles so they could get saved. And you will see that the Apostle Paul, he became the missionary head and went around to multiple, multiple places preaching the gospel to the Gentile people and he was taking and praising God for what he had done. You say, why? Because if you will look through the scripture, you will find that the Jewish people had multiple miracle after miracle. They came through Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They saw water from the rock. Jesus, uh, Moses brought Ten Commandments down from the mountain. He broke the Ten Commandments. He went back up the mountain and got the Ten Commandments. God fed them in the middle of the wilderness in the day and in the night. He protected them from the sun. He gave them light at dark. He protected them and miracle after miracle and the Jewish people were the closest to God and they were to tell everyone, hey, glorify God in front of those Gentiles so they know that He is real and they know that He's not some statue and they know they can worship Him just like you. That was the commandment that was given. That was the prophecy that was given. <coughs> I've been given that. So would it not be said of you and me that we ought to do the same? Glorify God among the unbelievers so they can get what I have? Who wants to go to church in a dead church, huh? Did you know that Baptists will be the first to go in the rapture? Did you know that? Did you know that? The Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. <clears throat> I'm kidding. All right, that was a joke, okay? <clears throat> we had a lady visit our church years ago when I was a teenager. And this lady, she came and she visited us. Thank you. She came and she visited our church. Well, that Wednesday night she pulled up to the church. I can't remember if she was coming with a friend or whatever. And she walked in, and she enjoyed church, and she walked out. And we went to visit her, and, and uh, went to visit her, and knocked on her door, and she invited us in. And I, I don't remember all the details of all the conversations that took on, but she told us that she said, had I known that that church was a Baptist church, I would have never visited because I was always told that Baptist churches are dead. Look, the Holy Ghost is alive. Look. And there's no reason to be upset or sour-faced about being in church. Church ought to be one of the most exciting times of, of the week. And, uh, hey, some of you ought to tell your face to smile a little bit. Quit sucking on them sour prunes a little bit. Uh, look, hey, I have Christ who saved me. I have something to rejoice about. I'm heaven bound with the hammer down. Look, you put me in a ball game, I'm just as excited. I don't even know who's playing. I don't even care who's playing. And I'm jumping up, shouting, and clapping. Woohoo! Look, hey, that's, that's who I am. But, look, I want on the front row when I go to the ball game. I don't want to sit in the back. I want to be up front. Hey, why is it that I can have more excitement at a stinking ball game that matters nothing than when it comes to Christ and coming in church? I can't have any excitement. Shh, be quiet down there. Shh, you're being too, you're being too loud. I've had people tell me, you're too loud. I'm sorry, I'm too loud. But I ain't shutting up. 
There's no excuse. I can't be as loud at a ball game as I can be in church. You say, you, you're serious. You ought to have some excitement. <clears throat> I get excited when my team scores a touchdown. And Brother Terry, I'm sorry. I'll be excited when my team beats yours this afternoon. Look, <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, Brother Terry. I didn't mean to call you out. But look, hey, I'll be just as excited about it. You're not going to say nothing back. Okay, okay. He will tonight when they beat me. <laughs> but the excitement that a Christian should have about church. Mm-hmm. All right, let's sing our song. Uh, tell your face that you're excited. You know, it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. Hey, when a Gentile, when a lost person comes in this place, they ought to know that you're excited about the Lord. Be afraid to make too big of a noise. Oh, no. They're going to kick me out of here today. I heard of a, a kid who was going to a Bible college. I'm not going to mention the name, but they went to chapel, and they, they shouted amen too loud in chapel, and they got kicked out of Bible college. Now, look. <clears throat> That's terrible. It's terrible. We're not orchestrating nothing, and I'm not trying to tell you to run the, run the room and shout hallelujah, but I'm telling you that there ought to be some excitement in your life, and it's okay if you say amen, and it's okay if you clap your hands, and it's okay to shout hallelujah. It's okay to raise your hand in church because that is the excitement about praising God. I'm not praising myself. And when, the, when we're playing the music and we're singing the song, look, I'm not singing, and Brother Blackie's not praying, playing, so you'll give him a pat on the back. And I'm not singing, so you'll pat me on the back. I'm singing to honor and praise God. Look, when we come into church, we're not coming in here so that we can enjoy the music. That, that enjoyment of the music is not for you. The enjoyment of the music is for the Lord. And whether I enjoy the music or whether I don't enjoy the music, it's not about me. It's about praising and honoring God with what takes place up there. And if it look and look and if there's ever a time when the music doesn't praise God and honor God, you got to take it out of the church and throw it out. When you want to pat on the back, oh good job, man. No, no, it's not about that. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for God. Why do you sing in the pew? Is it for me? No, it's for God. It's for God. You call that worship? Isn't that what we call it? A worship hour? The you lifting your voice to God and praising God for the things that He's done. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Hey, He saved me. This is my story. This is my song. I'm praising God. I'm not praising man. If that's what it's about, that's not what music's about. It's not what, that's not what this takes place for. It's to prepare our hearts for the message of God. If it does anything other than that, it's not worship.
you say, oh no, you're talking about worship. Yeah. Why don't you read about worship? Every time in the scripture, the Bible says someone's laying on their face, prostrate before God. That's what worship is. They glorified God so that everybody would see. They rejoiced with the Jews in verse number 10. I kind of think I skipped ahead without telling you. Verse number 10. And he said, rejoice with the Gentiles. Verse number 10. He's quoting Deuteronomy 32, verse 43. <coughs> rejoice. When you, hey, when you go to a, I like to use the analogy of a sports venue, but when you go to a venue of a sports venue, you want the crowd to be loud, right? Who wants to go cheer for the team where no one's cheering for them? Huh? Who wants to come to church when no one's cheering for the Lord? Rejoice. Rejoice. And it's not a show. Look, if you're doing all that for a show, you shouting hallelujah. And, and look, and even as a preacher, if I'm running up and down the aisles and doing cartwheels and shouting hallelujah for, uh, for, a, for a show, then I'm wrong. I'm just as wrong as anybody else is. I can't help but get excited about the Lord when I talk about him. So sometimes I do get a little loud, but it's not that I write that in my notes. You, you, you come look at my notes, it says get loud at this point and shout hallelujah. And No, it, it doesn't say that. Not only were they to glorify God, they were to rejoice with the Jews, but number three, that all the Jews were to to get the, the Jews and the Gentiles were the praise in verse number 11. He says, and again, praise the Lord, all ye what? Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. So he tells the Gentiles that they need to praise God. Not only do they need to praise God, but the Jews need to praise God too. So it is important that we, excuse me, that we glorify God, that we rejoice with God, and that we praise God for what he's done. Too many times, and we talked a little bit about that last week, but... Too many times we praise God for what he's done and not praise God for the God of who gave us those things. You know, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is just uh, around the corner and a lot of times we'll, we'll make sure that we go around the room and say, hey, everybody say what you're thankful for. Hey, I'm thankful for God. Tell me all the things you're thankful for. You ought to go around the room and say, hey, tell me how you're thankful for God. Because he's the one that gave you the thanks. Rejoice. Glorify God. Praise God. And then lastly, he says, number four, <coughs> that Christ will reign over everyone. Verse number 12, he says, and again, Isaiah saith, which is, he's quoting Isaiah chapter 11 and verse number 10. He said, Isaiah saith, there shall be a, be a, a root of Jesse, which is, that uh, Israel, talking about Jewish folks, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, that is Jesus Christ, the rising to reign and over the Gentiles, and in him shall the Gentiles trust. And so here it is. Here we are. He says, all that's going to take place so that you will trust in the Messiah. All of that's going to take place. So you will trust in the only way to heaven. That's what he says. And he ends this. Songs are for God. He says this to end it. Verse number 13. He says, now the God 
of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. How do you get the Holy Ghost? The moment, 1998, June 14th, I bowed on my, bowed my knee. I said, God save me. That moment when I said, God save me, the Holy Ghost came and lived inside of me. And I got every bit of the Holy Ghost that I'll ever get. But at that moment, that Holy Ghost gave me my hope. And he gave me my peace. And he gave me my joy. But I'm here to tell you that that is what we're here for. We were, I was talking to uh, Miss Renee yesterday. And we were talking, what, is, what are we here for? What are we here for? We're to tell people about the gospel. That's what we're here for. What is this church here for? It's not so we can be a country club. Meet one time a week, be good. That's not what we're here for. We're here so that others may know the truth about Christ. And what is that? In verse number, in verse number 12, and, and in him shall the Gentiles trust. And when you trust Christ, at that moment, at that time, you will see the Holy Ghost. And he will give you that hope and that peace and that joy that's if you're missing that in your life today, if you're missing that, if you're missing that, then you need to get that. And look, you can't get that through me, and you can't get that through any other preacher. You can't get that through a church. You can't get that through a baptismal tank. You can't get any of that. The only way you can get that is Jesus Christ. Because he came to fulfill the promise to die on that cross so that you and I, could trust in him and have our hope and our peace and our joy which the Holy Ghost can give us when we receive him who do you glorify who do I praise who do I rejoice in so that others may know that God is real and he's the one to trust and he's the only one that can give us our hope and our peace and our joy. Lord, I love you. I thank you for allowing us to be.